Blog Talk Radio. and welcome to a live edition of Weigh-In Sports Talk. I'm your host, Brian Tarvin. Well, it's good to be back. We've taken a few weeks off uh, for reasons that will not be discussed on the show at this time. But, but again, I'm glad to be back, glad to be talking some sports with everyone. A lot has happened, you know, in our in our couple of weeks of, of downtime here at Weigh-In Sports Talk. I'm not sure if Trey's going to be with us tonight, but... Either way, hopefully some callers will call in. I have not advertised the show except on our Way In Sports website, so that is it. Usually I I send it out to a lot of people, but tonight, with limited time, just got it out to a few, maybe about a thousand people. So hopefully a few of you will join me tonight and talk some college football, NFL football, and the NBA playoffs going on right now. Game five tonight in Golden State. Close game in the first period. Um, I had a prediction for this game, but it's it's really hard to predict against LeBron James. But this is a, a crucial game. I saw it two ways, and and tell me what you think. First, you know, five, six, and seven, possibly Cleveland trying to get their win back. They've had three days off, just trying to get their win back. They lose tonight. They go back to Cleveland for game six. They win that one and just lay it all on the table in a game seven. Or if Cleveland can win tonight, this would be over very shortly. But it's just hard to bet against LeBron James, even though he's playing with a bunch of high schoolers out on that court against a good Golden State team. But we have not talked about any of the games since they started. But what I've noticed about the series is just just how finesse Golden State is. And you know, even San Antonio last year when they were from the West, they were a tough-nosed team. This Golden State team, to me, is not that great because right now this is a 2-2 tie in the finals against a team with Kevin Love out and you have Irving out. I mean, all their their players are out. They're, they're having to use guys on the scout team to play. A guy named Deli Sandwich out there shutting down Golden State. And I call him Deli Sandwich because – I'll just leave it at that. But, I mean, you have LeBron James. People that have argued with me and talked about LeBron James not being the best player in the NBA today, they're just – they're insane. Because if you look at LeBron James with this team, with all four other starters that that opened the season not even playing right now, somehow he's managed to win two games in the NBA Finals right now. On the road in game five, the Golden State, if he wins this series, if Cleveland wins a championship this year, really hard not to move LeBron James into probably at least the top five discussion. I mean, nobody's going to be at Jordan's level. I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen. But people thinking that Curry's the MVP of the league and they're talking about James Harden, people like that. LeBron James is the ruler of the NBA. That's not even a discussion anymore. If you, if you really think he's not the best player in the NBA, please give us a call, 646-716-5564. I've just never seen a player 
besides Jordan and Kobe that can just just make others around them so much better. Magic, of course, is a good one, but, you know, all this love about Curry, and it's just like he's a 100-pound guy that, that's a finesse player, shoots some threes here and there and gets high. He, he's, he's very overrated. And you look at somebody like LeBron James that can personally take over an entire ball game. He can get you 40, 50 points. He can get you double figures and assists, double figures and rebounds, get everybody else involved. And it's just his will to win is why I just cannot count Cleveland out of this series. Even with they're getting tired, they're only playing seven players, it's just so hard for me to to pick against a player like LeBron James. Is he cocky? Yeah. Is he arrogant? Yes. Do I like him? No. But, I mean, if you can't respect the game of LeBron James, then there's something wrong, something very wrong. Early in the – or late in the first, I'm sorry, it's 21-19 Golden State. Golden State jumped on them to an early, you know, I think it was a seven, eight-point lead, but Cleveland has crawled their way back in. And it just goes to show you physical basketball still can be played. And it just looked like those first three or four, about three games, Golden State, Cleveland was in the head of Golden State. But give it to Steve Kerr. Hats off to him for being able to make some adjustments, put some new starters out there, get the energy back that they needed, a smaller lineup to be able to to try to score more points, get to the goal, and they have. And that game four was a crucial must-win on the road in Cleveland. They found a way to do it. And you have to tip your hats off. Golden State was about to be sunk. So here we are in a game five. Game fives are always important. We'll see that if Cleveland wins tonight, it's just going to be hard to go back to Cleveland in a couple of nights and, and win with LeBron James knowing that he has one game left to win at home. So I'm betting on LeBron James, not Cleveland. So, I mean, it's just his him. But he has some role players out there that are they're doing the best they can possibly do. But if you – I mean, Jordan had Pippen. I mean, Kobe had Shaq. All these players had a big number, too, all the, all the greats. LeBron James has nobody. It'll be the first time one player has won a championship by himself put the team on his back, and willed him to win. You can't do that in today's NBA. You couldn't do it in the old NBA. You had to have more than one player. I mean, most of the time, you, you look at Chicago with uh, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Ku Coach, Kerr. They had the guy Horace Grant. They had significant talent, role players, and, and starters. But Cleveland doesn't have anybody. And if he wins this, this title this year with Kevin Love being out, with Irving being out and him being the point guard, having to facilitate everything, it's just you have to start talking about greatest of all time in the discussion. Not with Jordan, but up there ahead of some of these other players. He's just a, a physical, just a specimen. I mean, you just don't see players like him anymore. Here we go, 22-21 Golden State. First period's almost over. The longer this game stays close, LeBron James is going to make his fourth quarter run. And if Cleveland can steal it tonight, like I said, this series is over, in my opinion. I just <laughs> LeBron's not going to lose a game six at home with a chance to, to close out these guys. And I don't hate Golden State, don't get me wrong, but I do hate a team that, that gets the love and praise for being soft. They're a very soft team. They rely way, way too much on the threes. And and that's what they do. That's just the way it is. And I just think 
Well, one thing people don't talk about is Curry got the MVP trophy. And you know LeBron James is not very happy about Curry being named MVP with his mouthpiece hanging out all the time. So I'm sure he's going to try to make a point. And they're going right now to the bench to try to get LeBron James a, a few seconds break probably just to, so he can get the timeout with the commercial and the end of the period. But LeBron James is – probably physically just exhausted having to carry an entire franchise like this. But I'm, I'm pulling for him. I'm, I'm, he's the underdog in this series, and I'm, I've always liked the underdog. But we'll see how it goes. There's a lot of basketball left to be played. Golden State, a nine-point favorite tonight. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. And and uh, we're going to talk some college football tonight, too. Talk about some – I mean, it's getting close, guys. August, end of August is getting close. The kickoff classic in Atlanta, Auburn-Louisville, 3.30 kickoff. We're going to have Bama, Wisconsin, and Texas. There's some great football games to be played in that first week. And there's a lot of predictions out there that's making me scratch my head right now. A lot of things, a lot of so-called experts. The AP, you know, some writer put Auburn and Ohio State in the championship. I just don't like to see all the all the preseason people with their projections and everything. I, I look at when I'm looking at these preseason polls, like I tell you, I just scratch my head sometimes. But the way I look at it, it's good to be ranked high, especially right now. I mean, I know it's more pressure or whatever. You can believe that if you want to. But it gives you a chance if you lose a game. If you start out in the preseason top five, you lose a game in the middle of the season and you make a push and come back, you're, you're, you're close to getting in that playoff. If you start at, at number 22 or 25 and you lose a game, it's just going to be way too hard to make it all the way back up into the top four. And that's, that's why I'm glad Auburn's getting some love. I'm glad the SEC is getting some love. They deserve it. But the quarterback play in the SEC this year – does concern me. You have Dak Prescott at Mississippi State, returning senior, good team with a ton lost. You have Jeremy Johnson at Auburn. I think he's going to be phenomenal, but again, it's 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 unproven. He's played in some games. He's done well, but never has he just been handed the keys and says, "Here, this is your team." Georgia. I mean, their quarterback situation so bad. They're going to Virginia to get a transfer quarterback. That tells you exactly what I was saying about Georgia a few weeks ago. They have zero quarterback, and they're not going to win the East like that. And I know the East is not the East is not always as strong, but they're not even going to win it with that. And you look at South Carolina, really, their quarterback play. Are you impressed? Vanderbilt, Kentucky, all those. Tennessee with Dobbs coming back, he's proven. Last half of the season, he sparked Tennessee. He's back with uh, his entire team. You go over to the West. You have Alabama, again, trying to break in a quarterback. The difference is there's no Amari Cooper to save Alabama this year. So it's going to be interesting to see who steps up for Alabama. They have the talent around the quarterback. But, it's, it's again, it's a, it's a crapshoot. So there's Auburn and Alabama, the two most projected teams in the SEC this year, really with unproven quarterbacks. Then you go down to Arkansas, they have a quarterback that's back. I'm trying to think of his name, but he's a senior. They're not going to pass the ball a lot anyway. Dak Prescott, like I said, Ole Miss is breaking in the new quarterback. 
So the SEC West is wide open. And it's going to come down to probably the Iron Bowl at the end of the year. But the East is the one, when you look at it, I think Tennessee has a great shot. We'll we'll talk about that more as the season goes on. Uh, Georgia, this is it for Rick. I mean, I, I cannot believe that Georgia would keep him after this year if he doesn't win the East. I mean, how in the world could Mark Rick not win the East this year? I mean, this is the year. If he can't win it this year, he's never going to win it again, and he's never going to beat a West team. So, Mark Rick, you are officially definitely on the hot seat. So we'll see what everybody thinks about Mark Rick. 646-716-5564. Wanted to run over Athlon's top coaches in the SEC for 2015. Wanted to get the thoughts. And we'll start at the bottom because I always like to start at the bottom and work my way up. So we'll start at number 14. And I, I guarantee you anybody that knows anything about college football will tell you that Derek Mason of Vanderbilt is number 14. Can't really argue that. Three and nine record last year. I mean, this was a very bad team. But, I mean, Vanderbilt's not a powerhouse. So, three and nine. We'll see how he can build off that. I just I just don't know what he can do at Vanderbilt right now. He averaged 12.8 a game in SEC contest. That's not going to win it. <laughs> That's not going to win any games in the SEC when, especially when the game of, of football is changing on the offensive side of the football so much. At number 13, I bet you could guess this too, Mark Stoops, Kentucky, 7-17 and 17 over the last two years. And that's his career record is ahead 7-17, seven and 17, which you watched Kentucky play last year. They were in some good games. So they are getting better. The recruiting is getting better. So, I mean, they lost to Florida – by six and three overtimes last year, by four to Louisville in the regular season finale. So we'll see. Kentucky right there at 13. And these are coaches. These are not rankings of projections of teams. Number 12, Jim McElwain, Florida. You know, he in three years, he's 22 and 16 at Colorado State. Had a good year. Had, had a good head coaching record. Not too bad. This year at Florida, they've lost a lot coming off of, of a very disappointing season. They did win their bowl game. Must champ is at Auburn as a defensive coordinator, so Jim McElwain is there at number 12. Number 11, kind of surprising to me, Brett Bielema is what they listed right there, but you have to be joking yourself if you think Brett Bielema is number 11 coach in the SEC right now. If you just started looking at how they played last year, they finished 7-6. and six. The year before, they didn't even win an SEC game. So after a 3-9 and nine season, he turned them around to 7-6 and six just in one year. Uh, he was 68-24 and 24 at Wisconsin, four double-digit season wins. I mean, how in the world could you not put Brett Bielema higher than that? And at number 10, there's no way I would have Kevin Sumlin ahead of Brett Bielema, but that's where he is right now at Texas A&M. Career record, 63-28. and 28. Let's not Let's not forget, most of those wins are at Houston in a conference, USA, a terrible conference, running up the score in a, in a league where there's no defense. So he's 28-11 in three years at A&M, not too bad, but you've seen the last couple of years for A&M, not very good. Number nine, at least they put Blitz Jones ahead of some of these um, 
these coaches. Butch Jones, number nine at Tennessee, 62 and 40 career coaching, 12 and 13 in two years at Tennessee. But if you look at the momentum these guys are carrying with them right now from last year to be able to make a bowl game, to be able to get some experience. Remember, this is the youngest team in college football that was playing last year. So they'll be back. Depends on how the offensive and defensive lines make progressions and how they how they how much bigger they get, how much more mature they get. I think I know the quarterback situation there. Dobbs is going to take them. So let's move to number eight, Les Miles at number eight. Uh, this is weird because usually you see Les Miles up at the top, and if you talk to the LSU fans I talk to that I speak with, they'll tell you that Les Miles is. They're ready for him to get to packing. I just think he's been very fortunate to have such loaded teams at LSU. But if you think about it, with the talent they've had, they should be in way more and be winning more. He's 103 and 29 in 10 years, which is phenomenal. But it's the last few years, some of these losses, and it all started with that that championship game against Alabama getting blanked like they did. I mean, but he he does lose games. He should blown out against Auburn last year, um, got embarrassed by, I can't remember who it was. I think Arkansas beat him pretty bad. and It's just like everybody's tired of Les Miles. Every LSU fan I know of, is they're sick of hearing about him and sick of not being able to win championships. You would think a team like as, as good as LSU could get a quarterback in. It makes you look at Alabama, too. A team like Alabama should be able to find a quarterback, but if you ever put a great quarterback on LSU or Alabama, they're going to win championships every year. But the problem is they cannot find a quarterback. And LSU, again, is going to be in that same boat this year. Les Miles at number eight, I think he's on a hot seat too. If he doesn't do well, he's not going to be there. Hugh Freeze comes in at number seven, the coach of Ole Miss. He's 24 and 15 in three years at Ole Miss, 54-22 in his career. Uh, big win against Mississippi State last year. Uh, hold on, I think they lost, actually. I apologize. They beat Alabama last year, and that really helped increase his stock. But you got to think, this is the year for him to separate himself from, from Dan Mullen. Dan Mullen is at number six right now, and I will agree with that. I think Dan Mullen's a, a fantastic head coach. He's doing it at Mississippi State where they can't get the – the recruits that they normally other schools can get. That last year's team, he had a lot of fifth-year seniors, a lot of upperclassmen. They were mature. They had a quarterback. The schedule was favorable. And here they are right now, this year. They're they're depleted. But at number six, Dan Mullen, I think he should be higher. That's how much I believe. Gary Pinkle at number five was Missouri. Can't really argue too much with this. He's, he's making it to the SEC championship game every year. He has one of the best defensive lines in the country year in, year out. He just keeps recycling them, and they just do a fantastic job. Um, we'll see. I think his, eventually he's going to have to win one of those SEC championship games, but I just don't think they'll get there this year. But I've said that for the last couple of years, and here they are. At number four, I think way overrated, Mark Rick at Georgia. He's 136 and 48 and 14 years at Georgia. That's the only place he's coached. But come on, I mean, Mark Richt, you got you can't get over the fact that he can never win the big game. Last year, had it, the table set for him, he lays an egg against South Carolina, coming off of a beatdown and embarrassment against A&M. 
And then he gives up 400 yards rushing to a Florida team that couldn't didn't rush for 400 yards the entire season, I don't think. But, again, it was Mark Ricks and Georgia's for the taking. He has the best talent, just, I mean, to pick from and other teams come in there and still – the players that he wants. If you're if you're a number if you're a top coach in the country, and you're a if you're at a program like Georgia, which Georgia Tech really can't compete with you recruiting wise in football, you're in the SEC, and you can't clean house in recruiting. There's a problem. I mean, you should get your pick of the litter and let Auburn and Alabama and Florida and whoever come and get the leftovers. But Mark Rick, to me has to be down at least to about number seven or eight because he can't win the big game. He cannot win the big game, and it's just like their team's choking right now. They're talking about Bama's coming in. They're going to beat Alabama. They've circled the date. But what you have to worry about if you're Alabama, if you're Georgia, what about the game before Alabama? What about the game after Alabama? Those are the ones that that you'll lose, and, and that's what frustrates the Georgia fans. Mark Rick, if he does not win the East this year, and you've heard it here first, circle this, write it down, Mark Ricks will not have a job at Georgia after this year. It's just too much talent on that team, too easy of a division to keep doing it. Now Tennessee's getting better, <laughs> so you're not going to be able to to dominate in the East much longer. I think Florida's going to get better. South Carolina, I don't know about them. Missouri's going to get better. So all of a sudden these teams are going to get better, if you're going to win the SEC East this year, Mark Rick, this is your last chance. I still think Tennessee is going to take it. At number three, Steve Spurrier from South Carolina. Uh, I can't argue with that. Now, if I'm looking at if this was an all-time list of who's the best coach, Steve Spurrier would be up there with Nick Saban, and, and number two wouldn't be ahead of him. But this is right now, in 2015. Who are you as a head coach? Steve Spurrier getting a lot of respect at number three right now. He's 84 and 45 in 10 years at South Carolina. He has done a phenomenal job. But, again, South Carolina, he cannot recruit. He reminds me of Tommy Tuberville in a way when it comes to recruiting. He really doesn't go outside the box. He just lets the recruits come to him. He tries to hope there's a couple of great five-star talents in the state of South Carolina, and he'll focus on them. But Steve Spurrier is focused on one thing. His golf game and retirement, sure, he'd like to win some football games and win an SEC championship, but I just don't think he has the dedication and the competitive streak anymore and the recruiting hunger to be able to go out there and, and bump heads with Nick Saban and Gus Malzahn and some of these top recruiters in the country right now. And if you look, like if you look at Alabama and Auburn's coaching staffs, some of the best recruiters in the country. So it's not. I couldn't name you a recruiter in South Carolina right now. So Steve Spurrier can't do it himself. You have to get the right mix of assistant coaches that can go out on the road and bring in the the top talent. And it takes a lot of work. It's exhausting from what I hear these coaches talk about recruiting, what they have to do, how much time it consumes. And then you, you spend all this energy, and at the end of the day, they switch and go somewhere else. It's exhausting. You have to have coaches that can recruit and be in position to close. And that's where Steve Spurrier, he either, if they're not from the state of South Carolina and they haven't been a South Carolina fan their entire life, they're not going to go to South Carolina. There's nothing in Columbia except an interstate to exit out of it. That's, that's all that's in South Carolina. So I don't even think they have a Chick-fil-A where they're at. I could be wrong. But Steve Spurrier, you know, before last year with two 
years in a row winning 12 games, I think, 11 or 12 games at South Carolina. That's amazing. That's just phenomenal for South Carolina. But, again, he's not going to be able to compete in the SEC until he can recruit. Bed number two, Gus Malzahn at Auburn. I know a lot of people are trying to debate who's the better coach between Nick Saban and Gus Malzahn. You can't you can't compare the two right now. Gus Malzahn's been a, a head coach for a total of thirty nine games. <laughs> Nick Saban has been a head coach for a total of I can't even count on that's how many, probably about two hundred and fifty if I had to guess. That's how many nineteen years of head coaching for Saban, three for Gus Malzahn. So you can't you can't compare who's the best between the two. I mean, if I had to choose right now, if I was building a team, of course I'm biased, but Nick Saban right now, he's the CEO of the SEC, and you just you just have to be impressed with with what you see out of him. So Gus Malzahn, 20 and seven with two years at Auburn, took him to the national championship his first year after a three and nine season. Gene Chizik was fired, but let's let's flash back. Auburn's 2010 national championship was because of Gus Malzahn, Cam Newton, the the offensive play calling, the way he did it, the way he, he scored, the way he was able to run the football. And Gus Malzahn left. You saw what happened, a 3-9 and nine team. He comes back. And, and the reason I would put Gus Malzahn at this number two is because of the coaches he's able to hire. He's able to, to hire Will Muschamp from Florida as a head coach to come be the defensive coordinator. And the, and the sign of a great coach is being able to recognize where you're weak and what you need to get there. And I think Gus Malzahn learned that after his, after last year. He he really thought Gus Malzahn, and this is from people in the know that have told me he made a mistake. He really thought last year's team was going to be able to win a championship with offense alone. And with Carl Lawson getting hurt and not playing the entire year, the defense struggled. I'm sorry, this is the SEC. You cannot score every time you touch the ball. And I know the games are higher scoring, and, and that happens, but I'm telling you, he understood, uh, you know, during the middle of the season, he made a mistake. They got rid of Ellis Johnson. They brought in Will Muschamp. And the one thing smart about Gus Malzahn is he's going to hire – he hired Will Muschamp. He's going to let him run the defense. He's not going to get in his way. I mean, he's not going to let him go rogue. But he's going to trust the defense to Will Muschamp to be able to put them to the next level. And now all of a sudden you have a Gus Malzahn that can focus on offense. He doesn't have to worry about defense. That's not what he's what he's doing. He's paying Will Muschamp a ton of money to come in and make a few stops a game. Auburn's not going to shut teams out right now, but they they could in the near future. But this year, you're going to see a defense that can hit, they can wrap up and tackle in position. They know where they're going to be, but they're going to get better as the year goes on. And and when you look at it. That's, that's all you can do. Gus Malzahn's going to have them in position to win a national championship this year if the defense shows up. And after last year, you learned a lot. If you're Auburn, some of the, if you're a player from Auburn last year and you're back, to go through that gauntlet of a schedule, playing five top ten teams on the road, and and living to tell about it. They live. They didn't look good at the end, but they played Alabama very tough. And they were able to save face. They did lose that bowl game, but it was an overtime. Wisconsin, not a bad team, not a very good team, but they could care less. Last year was just about winning the SEC and playing in the Final Four. 
they didn't. So it's just you can't motivate these kids to play in a game that, that means nothing once you you had a taste of being at the top. So this year, look for them with the, the mind of Gus Malzahn. He's getting more mature. Remember, this is just his third year at Auburn. So he's already played in one national championship, won the SEC. He'll be back this year with a manageable schedule. And we'll see. He won at Arkansas State. He won at Tulsa. He won at Arkansas. He won at Auburn. So everywhere he goes, it doesn't matter the quarterback. That's why I look for in a coach. How are you able to adapt? How are you able to change? Gus Malzahn's offense this year will look different than last year's because there's a different quarterback. That's what I love about Gus Malzahn and coaches like Nick Saban. They can change. And you saw number one on the list, Nick Saban, of course, not a doubt, 91-17 and 17 in eight years at Alabama. 91-17. and 17. Just let that sink in. I mean, that's, that is phenomenal. And Nick Saban's able to get really who he wants as a coach to come there. And, and it's hard it is hard to to really question him. It's his system where, where Gus Malzahn can take players and scheme offenses around him. I think Nick Saban needs the, the prototypical type of player. He needs the the certain height and weight of a linebacker to fit into the puzzle, into his system to win. But let's let's not deny Nick Saban knows how to win. And if he can ever get a quarterback in that on that team to come in and, and succeed. Last year, I'm sorry. It, that's not a great quarterback. He couldn't even make it in the Canadian Football League. And that shows you what Lane Kiffin was able to do offensively with him and Amari Cooper to be able to do it. This year is going to be tougher. I, I mean – Who's Alabama going to bring in? I, I don't think uh, the kid from Florida State is going to be able to cut it. I mean, he couldn't win the job last year. They tried to give him the job. There's no way this kid would come in and go. And when I say kid, I'm trying to think of his name. It's just slipping my mind. Jake Coker, Jacob Coker. He would not have come from Florida State to Alabama had he not thought it was a lock. Well, when he got on campus, they couldn't do anything. He couldn't, he couldn't win out a job. Blake Sims looked like garbage in the spring, and he still couldn't win the job. So that tells you. Now with Amari Cooper gone and, uh, and uh, Drake's back, that's one good thing. Yeldon's out to the NFL. You look at the offense of Alabama returning two starters, Ryan Kelly at center and Cam Robinson the left tackle. This whole team's going to be different. I mean, it's going to be a lot to replace – they do have some defensive help coming back. Seven starters will be back. But still, that secondary last year for Alabama was bad. If you look at the defensive, not bad. Bad according to an Alabama standard that you're used to seeing. Auburn's defense was bad. But Alabama's was a good defense, but they just they were weak for what Alabama standards are. So I look at this year to come back. I think, I think you're going to start to see Alabama – you know, not not be as dominant. But up front on the defensive line, they're going to be real good. I think you have a, a multiple problems on offense. You have the offensive line and with the inexperience, and you have a quarterback that's going to be inexperienced. Those two combinations are not good, and I'm, I'm sorry. Even the receivers are not as experienced. And no starters back and wide receiver, but you do have O.J. Howard at tight end. I think he's going to be an addition. Chris Black's good. Robert Foster, receiver. They have the talent, but it's 
you can have all the talent you want, but until I can see it on the field, it's just hard to predict. But I'm excited for college football. I know you are. But there's no doubt, guys. There's people out there saying Urban Meyer is the best coach in the country. I'm sorry. He's not better than Nick Saban. I just, I just can't put him there. Nick Saban totally dominated him in the SEC. To this day, I'm still telling you Urban Meyer left the SEC because he couldn't handle that stress of having to play Nick Saban for the championship every year. He left. So he, he took his chances knowing he could go to Ohio State and play one game a season, get in a, a championship game and hope and just pray that Alabama's not there. They beat him last year, Ohio State. Beat a, a good Alabama team last year, but let's face it, Alabama didn't have the quarterback to be able to win a national championship last year, but they had everybody else in place. And I guarantee you if they play this year, it's going to be a different result. Alabama will take them behind the woodshed if they play them this year. But Urban Meyer is a great coach, but I'm, I'm still not going to put him up there with Nick Saban just yet, but I will put him at number two. Overall, I will put Urban Meyer number two in college football right now. He's earned that, but I just can't put him ahead of a coach like Nick Saban. But Urban Meyer's got something brewing at Ohio State. He's got everybody back. And that's what I want to talk about one thing tonight. You know, all the preseason experts have Ohio State making it to the playoff. And and is it because they have everybody returning from a national championship team? Is it because their schedule? Is is the equivalent of Auburn's out of conference schedule or Alabama's or someone like that? Uh, that's what I'm trying to figure out what people are thinking because here's the same Ohio State team last year, and I'll, I will say it today, and I've said it last year or this year in January when it happened. They should not have been in that playoff. They got hot at the right time with a third string quarterback. Nobody had any film on him. They got hot and they won. Congratulations, but. They should not have been there. Losing to Virginia Tech by 14 points at home, I'm, I'm sorry. You you can't give me that excuse. Oh, my quarterback got hurt. Well, your quarterback got hurt again at the end of the year, and you still won a national championship. So you can't really just blame it on, on a quarterback getting hurt. But now what you have at Ohio State is the problem teams run into, a lot of coaches run into, and they talk about trying to stay focused, get the attention of these guys, to let them know that every week, can be a challenge, but when you look at the schedule of Ohio State guys, I mean, they could not even show up, and they could still win all these games. And we've talked about it before. This year they go to Virginia Tech first game. The first game is always tough, especially when you're on the road against a team that that is notable. I mean, Virginia Tech's a good football team in the years past, but I don't think they'll have enough to beat Ohio State. The rest of September are Hawaii, northern Illinois, and western Michigan. They never leave home after that first week or after that first, yeah, that first week. October at Indiana, home against Maryland, home against Penn State, and at Rutgers. November, Minnesota at home. They're lucky they're not going to Minnesota or they would definitely lose. At Illinois, home against Michigan State, and at Michigan. Minnesota's a scrappy team. I respect them a lot, but they're not going to go in to the shoe and win that game. But, I mean, this is your road games for the year at Virginia Tech, at Indiana, at Rutgers, and at Illinois, at Michigan. Come on. That's that's terrible. Maybe Harbaugh by the end of the year will have that team playing with a little heart. But we can't honestly sit here and think that that Ohio State's not going to run the table. And that's what I want them to do. 
But I'm telling you, a quarterback controversy is coming. You have Cardell Jones, Barrett, Braxton Miller. There's going to be some issues internally on that team. And any coach team Urban Meyer's had, there's been some some cheating going on. There's been some law breaking, something going on off the field. So it's not just about having the most talent to win. If that was the case, Alabama would win the championship every year for the last 10 years. But it's, it's not like that. You have to have the schedule. You have to have the locker room. And that's one thing. Ohio State's lucky. They they don't have to play anybody. And I'm going to put them in my Final Four because, again, they don't play anybody. I would love to see them lose to Virginia Tech that first week, but I guarantee the media and ESPN would drive them into that playoff. They would talk about how great, how the first week doesn't matter. Well, it does matter. I mean, that's why they play them. All games should be treated the same, whether you play them the first or the 12th. It doesn't matter. In college football, the special thing about it if you lose if you lose in Ohio State a game you should not be able to play for regardless because you don't have well, you don't have enough teams on that schedule to be able to, to come in and, and win and make up for it. Okay, you lose to Virginia Tech. Well, I mean, okay, I beat Michigan State at home. So who cares? I beat Minnesota at home. You don't have anything where if Auburn or Alabama lose a game early in the season, they they're playing five or six more ranked teams to be able to, to get back in the fight. That's why Urban Meyer should be – I mean, they, they should never even be considered if they lose a game looking at this out-of-conference schedule. Hawaii, Northern Illinois, Western Michigan, Virginia Tech's the toughest team they play in the entire season, and they're out-of-conference. It's just – I'm just telling you, don't be surprised. If, if Ohio State loses, guys, they cannot make it back to the Final Four this year. And I'm, I'm sorry. The Big Ten – with the coaches, they've gotten better. I think Penn State's going to be a team. See, they don't even play Penn State. Yeah, they do play Penn State. They never play Wisconsin. And and I think at least you should have to play those teams. But they can play them in a championship game, just like in the SEC. But I'm just tired of seeing teams be rewarded for playing in a weak conference. It's like Florida State last year, a team that went undefeated. They they play they should have lost about five or six games last year because they played in a weak conference. They were able to overcome those teams at the end and win. Well, they made it to the playoff, and everybody said, "Oh, they deserve to be there." First game they get beat by thirty points against Oregon, a team that we knew wasn't that good. Oregon wasn't good last year, as they have been the years past. And we talked about that on this show. I like Oregon. I'm, I really I pull for them. I like their code. I like everything about Oregon, but I knew they weren't. A team, they weren't, they're not a team that could run the table and win it all. I was pulling for them against Ohio State because I, I didn't think Ohio State should be there. But Penn State got embarrassed and humiliated, and it was because the year before, when they when they beat Auburn that year, that team they put up record numbers and they were destroying everybody. Last year they were barely they should have lost to Notre Dame, they should have lost to Clemson. There, there's other games that they should have lost to uh, North Carolina State. Every team they played, they should have lost. And now this year, it's going to be, I don't think Florida State's going to get that love because of that game. No Winston. The final four by Athlon is projected to be Ohio State 1, Bama 2, Baylor 3, Auburn 4. I just don't understand why TCU's not in there. I think I don't think SEC will get two teams in probably. It'll be the winner of the Auburn-Alabama game, and just depending on if they can win that SEC championship game. But it's going to be very interesting this year in college football. And I know everybody, if you're like me, 
you're excited. I'm excited about what's happening in college football and what's going to. So I hope everybody's doing well tonight. You are listening to Weigh In Sports Talk. Give us a call, 646-716-5564. The NBA Finals are going on right now. Golden State trailing by one, 45. I thought it was 45 to 44. But LeBron James is putting on a show right now. Hitting the three, yeah, 45-44. Cleveland right now. Just LeBron James is insane as always. Just let them pull out this game right here, and LeBron James is going to get another ring. I just don't think he's going to be tonight if they can get that big win tonight. It's just so hard to play with with seven players against a team as as good as Golden State. But we'll see. I'm I'm not a LeBron James fan, but I am pulling for him in this series. Uh, you got to tip your hat to any player that can do what he's done and put up the numbers and, and live. I mean, this is this is a, a bunch of D-League players he's playing with. These are guys not even on the scout team. Delaweva, whatever his name is. I mean, it's just tonight, LeBron James and Smith together, 32 points and seven assists. The rest of the team, 13 points. Uh, I believe one assist. But two minutes and 30 seconds left until halftime. Cleveland's hanging in there, and that's that's where Golden State usually gets teams. They jump on them early, they get hot, but the longer this game goes, the longer Cleveland's in it, chance for them to bully them. I think that's a flagrant right there, foul. They can get into the heads of Golden State. Somebody's hurt. I can't tell who went down for Golden State, but it was definitely a flagrant intentional foul. But he's probably milking it a little bit. I think it's Iguodala. I can't. I can't see very well where he's at right now, but let's see if that's a flagrant foul. Yes, he didn't go for the ball, but he didn't pull him down violently, but I think they're going to give a flagrant on that one. So we'll see on that. We'll keep you updated. We won't be on air when this game gets over, but mark my words, if Cleveland can win tonight, it's over. They're going to find a way. LeBron will not lose at home. And I don't know if anybody's keeping up with what's going on in the NFL. Cam Newton signed a huge contract. He got his money, his deal. So congratulations to Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers. You have to give it to Carolina. You realize, you know, is Cam Newton worth that kind of money? I mean, no. I mean, but who else are they going to get? Who, who's out there they're going to be able to get besides Cam Newton? They're going to have to pay him. They're going to have to give him what he wants to be able to keep him. Somebody will get him. And if you don't have a quarterback in the NFL, I'm sorry, you're not going to be able to make the playoffs. Carolina has won the division. The only team to ever win the division back-to-back years. Cam Newton is the reason. He was injured last year a lot, banged up, had surgery in the offseason, surgery during the season, had a car accident, and somehow he managed to take this team to the playoffs and get a win against Arizona in the first round, even though Arizona didn't have a quarterback to win the win. And I think you'll see Carolina and Cam Newton take steps. They're building, they're putting weapons around him. The defense is getting better. They're going to get him some protection on the offensive line. You know, Cam Newton's got a shot, guys. One day to get that Super Bowl, and we'll see if he can do it. But he's going to have to mature. He's just going to have to develop and evolve with the game, and I think he's capable of it. I think he's smart enough to know that if he doesn't change his way of thinking, change everything from year to year, he's not going to be able to do it. So he's a winner. High school, junior college, college, now in the NFL, he's winning. And that's what you – that's what I predicted. That's what I projected. And 
and, and that's what I expect out of him every year. I don't think he's going to win a Super Bowl this year, but I, I expect him to at least get into the playoffs and make a, at least the same or a deeper run than he did the year before. That's just all there is to it. You can't regress if you're Cam Newton. you got to keep building. And, and even though they demolished their team after the, the year they had, they had home field advantage and lost to the Niners, but they just got rid of that entire team, all the weapons just about around him. So last year making the playoffs was a surprise to everybody, including myself, that they were able to to rebound and come back and make the playoffs losing all that. They had a losing record going in, but they, they did it. Real quick to baseball, the Yankees in the American League East are tied with Tampa. Just wanted to talk about some surprises right there. Kansas City in the Central on top of that division. You have Detroit in third place, which is a surprise. 36-28 and 28 in the American League West in first place. That has to be a surprise. Trey Patterson, the co-host, I think he had Houston in the playoffs, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. So Trey knows his baseball now. You can't go against Trey when it comes to, to picking these baseball games. In the National League East, the New York Mets in first place by half a game over Washington. The Braves quietly three and a half games back with a 30 and 33 record. St. Louis, no surprise, six games up in the Central. What is surprising, the Cubs are only seven games back at 33 and 27. The Dodgers in the West in the lead, not a surprise. Colorado dead last, 28 and 34. San Diego, though, at third, 32 and 32, five games back. They're trying to stay in position to make a wild card run or win this division. Just some exciting stuff in baseball. I just can't get into baseball as much. It's just I don't know why. I guess until the NBA is over with and everything, and the only thing on TV, we've had the College World Series in softball. We've had the, now the College World Series is going on in baseball. It's just hard to watch baseball in the major league level. There's so many games. Hopefully they'll reduce that, we'll reduce that down. So if anybody would like to call in, I'm going to check the studio. Again, I didn't advertise it tonight. We've been out a few weeks, 646-716-5564. We'll stay on just a few more minutes, maybe get a couple calls in. If not, we'll be back next Sunday night. Soon we'll be back to our two shows a week on Wednesday and Sunday. And college football is right around the corner. Usually we start our two shows back after the 4th of July. So once that week's over, we go two-hour shows, two nights a week. We we preview every college team for the most part, not everyone, but the, the main teams, at least the top 50 teams in the country. We go through those. We go through conferences. We go through every schedule, predict the number of wins. And uh, it's just fun. Way in sports talk, we're three years old, and, you know, we've, we've grown. And we're, we're a name now that people recognize. We... We try to give everybody a, a fair shot. Your opinion matters if you have an opinion, and we're not going to put you down on air. We just we just love to talk football. We love to talk sports, and, and I hope all you guys enjoy our show. I thought about it one time, you know, just just walking away and doing something, but this is something that that I really love doing. It's a passion. I can talk sports. I used to couldn't do a show by myself because it was there's too much going on too much to talk about but now you know if I need to do a show I can do it by myself I really enjoy it um, of course I'd love my co-host back but during this time of year with vacations and and everything going on like that it, 
it's pretty tough to get everybody here every week. So until then, keep going as we're going. And in college football, like we said, it's right around the corner. Athlon, I think we talked about this a little a few weeks ago, but we'll, we'll refresh it. I just wanted to go through some of their rankings and see what you think. I know Phil Steele's magazine, he still still to me, and I want to talk about that a second. I've read his magazine. This guy thinks he's Nostradamus or something that knows everything. But Phil Steele, I don't know what his rankings are, but I put more into Athlon and people like that. Phil Steele, to me, is all about computers. That's how he does everything is by a computer. And I'm just, there's no human element in there. And I, I've seen people, you know, it'd be like me saying I can know everything about every team I can. I, I know this one guy on Facebook. I'm not going to mention any names. He put out an article on every team talking about it, and it made me laugh because there's probably about 15 teams that I'm, I know very close, and especially Auburn. I know everything. When I read his review on Auburn, he was talking about not, not buying any magazine, just read his. There were three important things that he never talked about. Will Muschamp playing the defensive coordinator for Auburn, Carl Lawson coming back from an injury, and 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 there was another one I'm trying to think. Trey Matthews, the transfer from Georgia, is going to be at safety. Three things to me that are the most important on the defensive side of the ball was never mentioned in this guy. I mean, never mentioned Carl Lawson. It just makes me laugh. Like, you cannot be an expert in college football on every team. Now, you can do a conference and do that, but if, if I'm sitting here telling you I'm an expert on every team in college football, I'm a liar. So, you can't be an expert. You just have to to draw your conclusions based on what you see, what you read, how you put the puzzle together. And it's, that's just the way I do it. I don't – I read other people's opinions, but I derive my own prediction and my opinion from me. I don't I don't look at anybody else and say, well, whatever Colin Coward says today, who I'm going with. No, I mean, I'm my own man. I pick my own game. Sometimes I'm right. Sometimes I'm wrong. But, again, it's my prediction. But it's just funny how you're going to talk about the Auburn Tigers. You're going to do this in-depth review and try to convince me of where they're going to be. And you missed the main thing of the entire Auburn defense is Carl Lawson's coming back from injury. And then when I called him on it and just asked him a question about it, he's like, oh, oh, he's overrated. I'm like, really? (laughs) Okay. As a freshman, he just came in and did a great job. He put on about 30 pounds of muscle. He tore his ACL, and now he's back. And I'm sure Jason and Sonia Menzen will tell you Carl Lawson is a beast. And if there's one story, you know, Byron Coward, the big recruit, the five-star number one player in the country, signed with Auburn, the number one story and the number one reason for success of Auburn, besides Will Muschamp this year, will be Carl Lawson at full speed and full strength on the defensive line. I mean, I just cannot believe somebody would write that. That would be like me doing an Auburn or an Alabama preview and talking about their season without mentioning Derrick Henry, the running back. I mean, you just can't do it. Of course, we know Jeremy Johnson's the quarterback, but Carl Lawson is the quarterback of that defense. He will be in the NFL a first-rounder after this year, after his junior year. Market right now, Duke Williams the same way. The receiver came back for his senior year. But I'm just saying, be careful who you read, who you put information in, and, and develop your own opinion. That's, that's what I want to tell everybody out there. Develop your own way of picking teams. 
Well, again, like I come up with it, I look at the defensive side of the ball. I look at the defensive line. I look at who they have coming back, how they did the year before. The offensive line, very, very crucial before I'm going to put a team up at the top. The quarterback, who's back at quarterback, what kind of experience. And the number one thing that people forget to look at sometimes is a schedule, like last year. When you looked at Auburn on paper, they looked pretty good. Coming back off a national championship, losing in the final seconds to Florida State, they have their quarterback back. But the difference was five games against top ten teams on the road. Trip to Manhattan, Kansas State. Nobody knew Mississippi State was going to be as good as they were, but they were good. If you looked at everybody they had coming back, Ole Miss on the road, Georgia and Babylon. So you look at that schedule, and, and most of the experts before the season started said, hey, there's no way they could make this run through the schedule. If you're a true diehard fan, you hope they make it through that. You pray they can make it through it, but it's not realistic to think that someone could run a schedule like that. But this year you look at it, it's a little more manageable. The road games are, are uh, LSU early in the season, which I like that, Kentucky, Arkansas, Texas A&M. That's a lot. There's four road games. That's a big difference between four and five. And you're substituting Arkansas and Kentucky for Alabama and Georgia, really. And the, that's that's how big of a difference that is. And now you're not having to go on the road to play at the Kansas State team in Manhattan. So Auburn's schedule, this is the year for them to make a push. I think they have a chance. I'm not guaranteeing anything, but – if things work out the way they should, Auburn should be in good position at the end of the season and that Iron Bowl to see who wins. I think Alabama's going to be a good football team. I think Arkansas is going to be better. I don't think they're going to be as great as people think. I think Mississippi State and Ole Miss will take a step back. I think Tennessee's going to make a push up to the top of the East. They may not win it, but they'll be pretty close. Georgia, uh, they have the talent. They don't have a quarterback and Mark Rick Chopes. I think the SEC could be down this year. I mean, and people could say it again, but until they get the quarterback play up to where it needs to be, it's just going to be hard to to be recognized in the class of elite when you when you don't have the quarterbacks. You look at the Pac-12; they've they've had a hit on some quarterbacks, the Big 12 and stuff. But the better quarterbacks you have, the better, the more respect you're going to get. And I appreciate everybody that's going to listen in the archive tonight. Um, Thanks for listening to the show, and I know we haven't been here in a few weeks, and I'll discuss that at a later time when I feel more comfortable to. But I hope you guys start tuning in regularly every Sunday night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, and again, we'll start doing the two shows before long. And have a great week, and this is Brian Tarvin of Weigh In Sports. We'll see you Sunday night.